Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Peek at your bulletins again at Paul's second, at the second reading, Paul's letter to the Romans. I want you to follow along as I offer you my twist on this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Oh, I should start differently. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your rational worship. And stop being conformed to the pattern of this age, but be continually transformed by the renewal of the mind, so that together you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and whole. Therefore, by the mercies of God. It's all by the mercies of God, friends. It's all by the mercies of God, sunshine, a shoulder to lean on when times are tough, the gorgeous red of a cardinal against the backdrop of green leaves, your next breath. And whether we remember it or not, it is by those same mercies that we are able to gather in Jesus' name. So it's been a privilege for me to 
share God's mercy with you since Easter Day. It's been a privilege and a pleasure and renewing, and I'm going to miss you. On my last Sunday with you, I could not have asked for better preaching texts than Paul's word to the Romans and Matthew's gospel. And you'll note that this Lutheran is going to spend a lot of time with Paul rather than with what Matthew uh, says today. But I'm going to talk about both with you for a moment. And as usual, um, I'm tempted to go down way too many rabbit holes with what Paul has to say. Um, so, you know, here are two rabbit holes that I'm going to avoid. I'm not even going to go down them. The first one, there's Paul's stunning transformation of ritual sacrifice. Hmm? All around the Mediterranean world, people were accustomed to the sights and sounds and smells of animal sacrifice and lots of other forms of ritual sacrifice directed to the gods. But Paul speaks of giving our whole lives, our bodies, our very selves as a living sacrifice. And as the chapter goes on, indeed as the letter goes on, we discover that, that he means by that being cruciformed, being shaped by the cross in daily life by seeking our neighbor's well-being and a more just world every day. That may not sound like news to you, but how many of us, how many communities of people are embracing that heart and soul and mind? Paul calls us to it by the mercies of God. Oh, and there's one more rabbit hole that I'm not going to go down. One more rabbit hole I refuse to go down. Stop allowing the pattern of this age to call the shots in your life and continually live live as transformed transformers. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. We can mishear that as a kind of linear development, as a kind of progress from a lower state to a higher state where God will like us more. But one day you're a conformist, and then the next you see the light and become ever after a transformed person. But no, that is not what Paul is saying. Paul is describing instead the constant daily tension in our lives. The constant daily tension in our lives in so many ways, some of which are obvious, but most of which are completely not obvious to us. Ways in which it's easier to go along, to get along. Hmm? Paul's not suggesting that we be a bunch of pugilists looking for a fight every day of our lives. He's not suggesting that. But what he is suggesting is that the pattern of this age is death-dealing. 
and in Christ's name, by the mercies of God, we need to shrug it off and embrace something else. All right, those are the rabbit holes. But now I'm going to focus on just one theme that appears in both Paul and Matthew. Namely, thinking together by the mercies of God. Thinking together by the mercies of God. Paul says that this living sacrifice of our very selves is ten logikein latrean hemon. Logike. Logike. How do you translate this? In uh, recent years, the trend has been to translate this as spiritual service or, as we heard it today, spiritual worship. This is not a good translation. Um, about this translation, one New Testament scholar remarked rather icily, when we do not know what something actually means, we can always spiritualize it. Logike latrea. Logike, logical. We get, we, this is a thinking word. It is a thought word. It is a thought word. Logike latrea means something like reasonable worship or rational worship. Paul is saying that giving our whole lives, our very selves to God, is a rational act. In fact, in, in light of what God is up to in Jesus, it is the only reasonable thing to do. Faith, according to Paul, is not blind, unthinking acceptance of that which makes no sense. No. In fact, Paul goes on in Romans 12 and the rest of the letter to argue that good, careful thinking is at the heart both of Christian discipleship and Christian community. Do not be conformed but transformed by the renewal of the mind. There was a guy named Christer Stendhal uh, who taught New Testament. He's the guy, actually, that made that icy remark. Um, he taught New Testament at Harvard Divinity School for a long time. He was dean there for a while, and later in his life, he was called back to Stockholm to serve as the Bishop of Stockholm for a few years. Um, and Christer wrote a little book on Romans called Final Account, which is a real interesting book to read. And he says this, in this passage, there is an abundance of words for the mind, for thinking, for what we would call brain activities. Rational beings who do not conform to this age, but who are transformed in their noose, their mind, can figure out or approve or discern what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect, what is the will of God. Paul says, let's think straight. Transformed in our minds does not mean that we should not use our minds. They are renewed minds. We don't hear this so much in some translations because sadly, 
we are not much for the mind in the church. Heart language is always closer to the church. No one ever really says that you have to sharpen your brain in Jesus' name. It is always the heart, and that is not good. Sharpen your brain in Jesus' name. Christer was not suggesting a reduction of the Christian life to intellectual pursuit. And he's not suggesting that we, we enter into a right relationship by God by thinking rightly about it. Hmm. He's not suggesting there's no room for mystery, no call for action. No, we need sharpened brains to figure out what is good in a world where that's really tough. What is the will of God? We need sharpened brains to figure out how best to act on the will of God. Sharpened brains. In today's gospel, Jesus asks his disciples what they think. Who do they think he is? And are they willing to say what they think? Peter, the representative disciple, answers by confessing Jesus as Messiah, son of the living God, to which Jesus responds, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Revelation. All too often, we think of revelation as something that happens when the brain has been switched off. Flip the switch to the off position, and God pours otherwise unknowable mysteries into your empty head and open heart. But Jesus asks his disciples what they think only after they have spent long time with him, only after he has spent long time teaching them, only after he has spent long time learning about himself in their company, only after he has spent long time acting out his identity in their presence. God invites us to look at Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to follow Jesus, and discover Jesus and his cross to be the wet stone on which God truly sharpens our brains. God wishes to reveal Jesus to us as we dare to give our whole lives, our very selves, to God as living sacrifice. And as we do so, as we dare to figure out what it means to follow a crucified Christ, God promises to renew our minds, to sharpen our brains, to reveal the truth. Now, why do I go on about this? Why is Larson going on about this? I'll tell you why. We face enormous challenges in every arena of life globally, nationally, regionally, ecclesiastically, not to mention the challenges which you face in your own lives and work. As a species, Paul's appeal to us 
to stop conforming our lives to death-dealing patterns that threaten all life couldn't be more important. Transformation of our situation will require the very best thinking we can muster and plenty of courage and faith to go along with it. So this is why I go on about this. Now is not the time to come to church in order to hide from these challenges, no matter how weary you are of them. Now is not the time to come to church to forget about them for a little while and pretend that it's still the 1950s. No, by the mercies of God, now is the time for all who follow Christ to sharpen our brains in Jesus' name, to beg the Holy Spirit for the gift of renewed minds and participate in the great moment in which we are living. Cross-formed thinking has a role to play in the wider human effort. And by God's really strange grace, you, you, individually and together, are called to be among those transformed transformers. I will be rooting for you, Holy Trinity, and praying for you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.